0: Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's politics podcasts. I'm James Miller. Now, uh, I was supposed to be joined on this week's podcast by Christine Jardine, Lib Dem MP. But just before we were due to meet... I got a text from a bag carrier asking when we were supposed to podcast and explaining that something had come up. I mean, you can draw your own conclusions about whether that's a classy thing to do or not. Uh, I am delighted to say that Andrew Berry, MP for West Aberdeenshire and Kincardine or kincardine remember. Yeah, kincardine. Kincardine yeah. has stepped up to become the very first Tory MP to appear on this podcast. And to be clear, there was only one Tory MP, Scottish Tory MP, before June. Um, So, you know, it wasn't a party political choice. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, Andrew, and thank Thank you you for stepping up. And also, uh, very much not new to the podcast, Uh, we're also joined by Joe Walker, Westminster correspondent for the Birmingham Post and the Birmingham Mail. Hello again. Hey now. Hey now, Hank Kingsley. Indeed, as you're sometimes there.
1: Let's... Should we
0: start by discussing how awful the Lib Dems are? Has anybody got any thoughts on how awful (laughs) the Lib Dems are? If
1: I was a Lib Dems, I would be desperate for a bit of publicity. The the thing that... um, amazes me, I genuinely don't quite understand this, is that there's definitely a, a movement in this country, perhaps a minority of people, who don't want Brexit to happen. Mm. Lib Dems are the only party saying that they'll make some sort of effort to stop it, at least in, they're the only UK-wide national party saying they'll make an effort to yeah. stop it. It's not having any effect at all. It's not helping well, them at all.
0: I would argue that on
2: today's evidence, that's because they're rubbish.
1: Mm, well, maybe so. Uh, I think
2: we could not be too harsh on them. I mean, they're spread very thinly, as oh, it is. There are, are very, a- f- there are very few Lib Dem MPs, and they've, they've got to be in all places at all times. So I a- don't think we should be too harsh on the Liberal Democrats.
0: Are you a bit coalition-y?
2: I, well, I, I wouldn't say I was a bit coalition. <laughs> maybe hankering back to... No, I'm not going to say any more on that. Nope.
0: Um, well, you're, that's very nice to hear MPs defending... Each other across the party political divide. I'll say they're rubbish because I'm annoyed at them. Um, let's start with you haven't heard you haven't heard the jingles before. This this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's the NQS in review. Party horn. PMQs. Oh, okay. That's a highlight of my week, that Yeah, that's good, is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, I've got a whole new audience for it. Oh, <laughs> I just wait to get your 12 colleagues on. Um, don't tell them about it. Don't spoil the surprise. I won't. I don't I go won't running know. off now going, you're not going to believe what I just heard. Um, PMQs in review. It was not PMQs, it was deputy PMQs or fill in PMQs or first secretary Qs or whatever you want to call it. So it was uh, Damien Green mm-hmm. and uh, Emily Thornbury doing the questions. Um, highlights. Andrew, what stood out for you from today's
1: I
2: session? Think, I think that uh, the First Secretary of State did, a, did a, an admirable job uh, holding the line and uh, defending the government's uh, position on a whole manner of things, from uh, Brexit to funding in his local hospital, uh, which strangely was brought up by uh, Emily Thornbury. I thought Emily Thornbury started... Uh, quite well, and uh, kind of sort of lost her way halfway through.
0: She kind of stumbled over her words, didn't she? She was yeah. uh, she was really good to start off with. She made a couple of little jokes. Uh-huh. What was uh-huh. the joke? She was one. She was supporting England in the rugby league. But, yes, I uh, thought that was quite funny. She be waving job, us in George's flag. George's flag. Of course,
2: that's she's... harking back to Rochester and Strude
0: Oh, and Meghan and Harry. She said that's one. Uh, transatlantic couple, we'd like to see holding hands. Come Absolutely. on, these yeah. are
2: good jokes. Yeah,
0: uh, and then you say she kind
2: of she kind of lost the way halfway through, and you that. could tell by the reaction of the Labour backbenches of so sort of halfway through a question, and they became very muses yeah. and uh, quite bored of the whole thing. But, but I thought, no, I thought on our side, I thought the first secretary did incredibly well. Yeah,
0: they were the Labour benches were quite excited early on, weren't they, John? Because yeah, he was for the first time in a lot of their political careers, somebody standing up at the dispatch box and actually handing some thing. Some damage. I don't know what you call it, but actually going for the person across the dispatch box quite successfully.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you say that, but actually there have been occasions when Corbyn has, has sort of done rather well. Now it has happened. No,
0: because Corbyn waffles on. I mean, he has had good weeks. He's had. But he's he's not had a, the old good sharp week. like she was.
1: No, but she was good. I mean, I think I would buy shares in um, Emily Formby after this. And uh, mm. in fact, for, for quite some time, she gave a speech earlier this week where. Um, she was uh, she condemned anti-Semitism, which may not seem like a controversial thing to say, but actually, in um, <laughs> me today's state of the
0: Labour Party, yeah. yeah, I think more, I think,
2: yeah, interestingly, it was who she was giving the speech to. It was Labour Friends of Israel. It was, yeah, which was a group that uh, Jeremy Corbyn has refused to actually go mm-hmm. and meet thus far as leader. So. And
1: she's um, she's fairly eloquent. She's somebody who's managed to stay in with the Corbyn. I mean, she's seen as a I she's seen yeah. as one of his allies, but she comes across as a sort of fairly moderate, sensible person, which the not all do. So um, at some point in the future, when Mr. Corbyn um, goes, wherever that happens, um, I wouldn't be surprised if she's, a very strong contender to replace him. Are you worried?
0: Would you be worried about an Emily Thornberry, Labour Party?
2: Not on today's performance. As I said, she started strongly and then lost her way. I wouldn't be worried. In fact, there were quite a few MPs on our side shouting, "Bring back Jeremy!" By the end of it, so 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 disappointed were we in the performance because we were all quite excited to begin with.
0: Uh, yeah, I thought I thought she did quite well. She did better than I'd say she did better than Jeremy Corbyn. But that, I think that's a very low bar. <laughs>
2: um,
0: and uh, Damian Green was he? Better than Theresa May. I'm going to ask you, Andrew. I suspect. Well, no, let's ask you because that's quite a tricky little question for us. It's
2: a tricky question. But I, think, <laughs> I think what we've all got to bear in mind with uh, the first Secretary of state is he's had an incredibly trying few weeks, and yes. to go up there and uh, stand in for the prime minister in the hotbed that is prime minister's questions and perform as he did today, which was incredible competence and you know with uh, some sense of uh, humour and quick wittedness. I think he did a very good job, given the pressure that he's obviously under it just now.
0: I would argue that a bit like Emily Thornberry, he started quite brightly and then he kind of there was one question. Well, where he just was, seemed to lose was, interest. Well, he was I'm giving not surprised. the heart we and he we just sort of went... Sort of well, I, think, I think that was, was probably it.
2: in response to uh, to Emily Thornberry. I think guess to one of his own people. I can't remember which one I wrote.
1: His delivery was a bit faltering, though. He seemed uh. to stumble and sort yeah, of stop and bit. say, "er" uh, and i a lot, which um, many of us do. But I'd, it wasn't a stellar performance, I didn't think. But, I mean, it was workmanlike. It did the job. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, it
2: wasn't, he, it wasn't he's John never Prescott, be... William Hague. No, Back to no. those deputy... Any other, any
0: other questions stood out? We had a bit of waspy women, because the, the, the SNP are on about that, yes. uh, including Mary Black asking about it, even though Steve McCabe asked about it earlier. I thought that was yeah. um, a bit lame from Mary. I, mean, I know she's, that's her issue and that was her question, but she clearly didn't alter her question, to, given the fact that Steve had asked about mm-hmm. it earlier. Um, let's just touch on the waspy women, as it were. <laughs> that sounded a bit weird. Um,
2: the issue of the waspy women... Um, uh, the SNP can fix this, can't they? Yes, in Scotland they could choose to fix it. Or not. it's a political decision. They're taking not to actually uh, take any action on uh, the state pension increase for women in Scotland. And if they if they decide to take a different course than the UK government has, decided, uh, has taken, then that, that is up to them uh, to, to make that choice. But they've chosen not to, They're... because they, they, they like playing political games with it, because it's something else they can blame Westminster for. for, for
1: forgive me as, a, as an Englishman who doesn't understand these things, how could the SNP government oh. do it, apart from somehow finding huge sums of money from from some Well, there's the political decision.
0: Their argument is it's pensions and pensions are reserved so they can't do anything about pensions, which is true. However, they have the power to create new welfare payments. Yes. So they could create a WASP women payment yes. which would only be paid to wasby women and they argue about whether they can, they say, well, it's a pension and I get their argument about pensions but the argument about creating a new welfare power is also true. They're two true things. Um, but yes, they would have to find money. Your, your yeah. point
2: about where they get the money from, that's a decision that you have to take when you're in government. When you when you have responsibilities over things, that's, that you have to make tough decisions. And the SNP, for too long, have gotten away with not taking any tough decisions and blaming Westminster for everything that people are complaining about. And it's time that they actually stood up to the plate uh, and, and started taking the decisions and uh, managing Scotland and getting on with the day job.
0: It's, a very, it's an interesting... All right, let's stick with that. Um, on, on terms of Scotland and the SNP, it's a very interesting position. The budget put the SNP in an, uh, in a very interesting position, didn't it? Because obviously we've had the stamp duty cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and Under again, the Nats are now suddenly put in a hole where they have to decide what they're going to do Yes, well, LBT,
2: uh, Land and building transactions tax, for all the people who are listening who, who might not be aware of the situation in Scotland, land and building transactions tax is, is the equivalent of stamp duty in Scotland. It's been an unmitigated disaster, especially... Because it went in- up... It went up for in this spring, was it? Uh, last spring, the previous, spring, spring. previous yeah. spring, and it's hit unfairly houses where uh, property prices are higher, but because in my seat, for example, because of the oil industry, they mm. were unrealistically high, and people are now unable to sell their house because of the added uh, tax that they have. So I think that if Nicola Sturgeon was to take the same actions and follow the the uh, the lead of the UK government in cutting or, or even abolishing LBTT for properties under three hundred thousand pounds, that would help the property market a lot and help other younger people onto that property market. But broadly, you
0: Scottish Tories and UK Tories if you like, have got the SNP exactly where you want them in that you are the India F two is broadly off the agenda and you are putting them under pressure on issues of tax and spend. Well, we thought it was off and the you, agenda until well, Tommy yeah. Shepard
2: in Westminster Hall two weeks ago decided to announce to us all that if the Scottish government didn't agree with yeah. the Brexit bill, suddenly there would be another movement for a second in the yeah, I, 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 So that was very interesting. Yeah,
0: there's lots of people for whom it's not off the agenda. It's never completely off the agenda, but it, it's probably fit. most sensible observers yes, We would hope say so. it was yes. parked yes. for now, is what we say. Yeah. So yeah, you've got them exactly where you want them. You're putting them under pressure. Scottish government and I suppose it doesn't have to be the SNP you want a Scottish government that has to make decisions about tax and spend Mm -hmm. Um, it, it must be quite a nice place for you guys to be in that the plan is coming together
2: well, that's true. If, 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 if only we, we, we had a plan. I don't think we ever envisaged looks, to have as it many like MPs. Well, it looks like a master plan, but I don't think, even in our wildest rooms, we envisaged having 13 uh, members of Parliament from Scotland in the House of Commons just now. But no, things are going very well for us, and we can't complain. The budget was a huge success. We got a lot out of the Chancellor, including the abolition of VAT on Police and Fire Scotland, the uh, the, stamp, the the stamp duty freeze on whisky, and of course, uh, very important to my seat, transferable tax history introduced into the North Sea, which means that uh, something like 20 million more barrels of oil will be be able to be extracted from the North Sea.
0: It was, <laughs> as I said on BBC Parliament on Friday night, a budget in which the uh, Chancellor gave out goodies to people who were good enough to vote Tory at the election, right? So that was Scotland, and that was the West Midlands, who were good enough to vote for Andy Street. <laughs> there was lots
1: of baubles for the West Midlands, wasn't there? Well, the West Midlands got £250 million for I transport. Right. That includes £200 million to extend the Midland Metro, which is a light rail scheme, very important to the economy of the, uh, the West mm-hmm. Midlands. An um, extra 15 million quid left over. And it does follow, although follow doesn't mean caused by, it just means one thing happened after the other thing. It follows the election of Annie Street, the Conservative candidate for West Midlands Mayor, who uh, seems to be doing a very successful job in um, lobbying the government. I mean, in all seriousness... Um, It's a cross-party thing because he has to lead a load of uh, mainly Labour-run councils.
0: Right, but do you genuinely believe that if Sean Simon was mayor of West Midlands that Philip Hammond would have given the West Midlands as much as he gave it last week
1: well you know the government also provided no, answer the question John come on, you're not the politician here you can answer the question three, 300 million pounds for the north east metro and the north east is dominated by oh, labour Yeah, come on you're not the politician here answer the question you know as well I, as I do I, I think that the West Midlands is I do think the West Midlands is um, and surely the, the north
0: east money is because of the uh, your man Howchen, who got elected mayor in Teesside no? No, I mean my my northeast geography is a bit yeah. You've got, of England, England, say. I've bit got a I've got northeast England here. I should say north-east of England.
1: I mean, um, if you want so. a, if you want an, if you want a more serious answer, the northeast money may be connected to the northeast <laughs> agreeing to sign its own devolution deal, which is something mm. the government has been pushing for for some but time. even then,
0: it's north of Newcastle, where there's lots of Tories. That's Anne-Marie Trevelyan and uh, Guy Opperman and all these sort of characters. Got the Borderlands. The Borders all went blue
1: and suddenly they're going to get cash.
0: I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but let's be honest, that's what was going on
1: here. I'll tell you something else. Uh, You mentioned the Borders um, that was in the budget. It was plans for some sort of borderlands yeah. uh, mm-hmm. scheme in the future, which is really interesting. That's been around for ages, borderlands. Well it sounds like they're actually gonna do it. Mm. Um and it because, will involve... Because what's changed? Oh the borderlands have gone completely blue. Well maybe so maybe
2: so. I think the Borderlands Growth deal is quite exciting actually. I don't represent the borders obviously but I think following on the success of in particular the Aberdeen city and region deal, um, which has been a huge success story in terms of investment into the city and Shire where I where I live and represent, um, I think what we can do around the borders is, is On both sides of the border is quite Mm. exciting, actually, because it will
1: involve Cambria, as I understand it, Northumberland. Yes, yeah, yeah, right across.
0: The the, 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 the idea was floated years ago, it did look like a good idea then, but nothing happened. (laughs) Suddenly, the politics changes, and uh, there might be money coming. And uh, in today's PMQs, indeed, John Stevenson asked about it, and Mm -hmm. uh, Damien Green said, There will probably be money for it.
2: You make the point that it's just areas that voted blue, but you, as you just talked about the North. I mean, it's quite obvious this government's a con- uh, government for the entire country. Yeah, from North well, to well, South, East to West.
0: Yeah, but they have extra money for the people. I mean, listen, this is a thing as old as type. Danny Alexander was always finding money for Lib Dems. Fat Lord it did him, because obviously well, they all got, yeah. got beat. But well, I, I don't mean, know. Director of the Bank of China doesn't seem like well, such him, a yes, bad him, job. him, Him yeah. personally. Yeah, <laughs> yes. did him. The world be
2: good. Um, I
1: have to say, I don't think you're entirely right. I mean, the government was uh, spending a lot of money on HST back when Western Midlands was run by Labour, and everybody assumed it always would be run by Labour. Mm. And of course, money has gone into Manchester, mm-hmm. which is Labour dominated.
2: Yeah. Well, yes. All right, I'll take your point. And Dundee, which is SNP dominated, but
0: in terms of this budget, rather than a, it was a particularly noticeable. I that think there was cash going that way. No, what's going on in Dundee? Some there's there's like the Tories have got designs on Dundee, which I find. There is nowhere we can't win in well, Scotland. Absolutely. You got loads <laughs> of votes are, in Dundee, we didn't you? We got, we I mean, got, it was amazing. We like, got an incredible hell? amount of votes in Dundee. I mean, come we on.
2: Uh, doubled our amount of councillors, I think, in in the city council, and uh, and not just Dundee, but Aberdeen North. And we're setting our stall out there as well. It's the only SNP seat left in the northeast of Scotland, and we're holding our conference there in March. So uh, Kirsty Blackman should watch her back.
0: Kirsty Blackman, very good friend of this podcast. Yes. I'm, I'm certainly not going to uh, uh, get involved in that one. But
2: um, <laughs> you got yeah
0: like general consensus would be that the number of Tories in Dundee you could count on like one hand and you got like thousands of People votes. used, to, people used to say
2: about, that to, about uh, Tories in Scotland in general well, more uh, pandas and well, yes, than MPs uh, than Scottish Tory MPs. That one yeah. but there was
0: some sort of jip going on wasn't it wasn't wasn't Stuart Hosey and Kirsteen Hare having some sort of uh, uh, probably, issue but I would, on Twitter I would, like, I would, like. oh are you afraid yet and all this sort of stuff probably but I it? would
2: always back Kirsteen Hare in that fight
0: it was, uh, it was most uh, un- unusual um OK, listen, we've covered off uh, the budget. I don't know what else there was in uh, PMQs. Anything else anybody uh, stood out of PMQs? If not, don't worry about it. Um, OK, let's move on just to finish up with... Now, unfortunately, I forgot to prep, Andrew, about the final final uh, uh, feature. I'm which on is the edge called, of my seat. Which is called I Love Your Questions, <laughs> which is a never-ending chain of questions. So last week's guest set a question for you, ah. and you will set a, get- a question for next week's guest. Let's do... The I'll tell, what, I'll, I'll tell you the question and then I'll do the jingle so you've got a okay. bit of time to think about it. The question set by Danielle Rowley was what book has oh she said what book has changed your political outlook? I mean I think we can say if your political outlook has not changed, or maybe it has, uh, what book has shaped or changed your political outlook? So let's have the jingle and then you can you can think of an answer.
2: I love your questions. <laughs> I love your questions. <laughs> I love your questions. <laughs>
0: There you go. The La La Land inspired. Sorry, Tim.
1: Who, who is that speaking? Well, you have to guess, won't you? Do you know? No, You're I welcome know to that's guess. I asked you. I don't. <laughs> know. You can guess. Who did it sound like? It? Is it? Is it? Is it your wife, Rose? No, it's no. not. No, it's an MP. Oh, are you going, right. going to guess at that? No, okay. Guess at that. Is it a
0: Conservative MP? No. I've never been a Tory on this podcast before. Do oh, you, you, you want said. Know, so that. You can't is it Chris Slywood? It's not. Although she did guess right a long time ago. Oh. Um,
2: anyway, we'll leave that open
0: for for future. Guesses. Uh, book. What? What book? I well, don't know if it's changed
2: book? my political outlook, but it certainly changed my view of uh, France and Europe, which obviously is very uh, pertinent to what's going on just now. I've just finished a fantastic biography of uh, the general. It's called on Charles de Gaulle. Oh, okay. uh, the, the general, France, and, and the France he saved. And um, I recommend it to you. It's uh, it's a real. Uh, it brings brings home exactly. Uh, the complex nature of politics in France and its complex relationship with Europe and the European Union. Um, which I It was, it was fascinating and actually opened my eyes to where they are as a country uh, and the European Union question as compared to where we are. And that's something I think we should always bear in mind whilst we're having these really complex negotiations with the European
0: I suspect there'll be quite a big spike, quite not a big spike, but there will be a spike in sales of books about European countries. Yes, because so. this whole Brexit thing, everyone's having to actually start learning yeah. about Ireland and France yeah. and Germany and Spain and Belgium and Holland and all this sort of stuff. I can't remember the book,
2: but the book that really sort of set my stall out politically, I think, and sort of, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a it was a biography about Disraeli, I think it was written by oh, Douglas okay. Hurd, um, which is a fantastic book, so that oh, really yes. sort of cemented in my mind the sort of one-nation conservatism. Yeah, uh, Disraeli,
0: he's like, oh, Disraeli was a good guy, I studied history, Disraeli, I mean, you know. He's an opportunist, he but was he's a, also a very good he guy. He was a fascinating, yeah. fascinating, I think, rather than perhaps good. I think that's maybe too pejorative. Fascin- but he was yes, certainly yes. a fascinating character. Um, any books ever, ever changed your political outlook, John, or, or your journalistic outlook? Political? I don't have any. I don't know. Have you read You know, views. Towards the End of the Morning or <laughs> any famous journalistic books that have influenced your career? Do you read?
1: <laughs> Can you read? I'm trying to think of um, <laughs> books about... Have you ever read a book, John? well there's a book by Howard Evans I can't remember what it's called oh yeah it's yeah. absolutely fantastic it's about famous. the newspaper um, trade and uh, the way it's changed over the years yeah. um, but sadly I can't remember the name no I can't remember either right I'll, I'll put it i in, recommend I'll put it, it anyway. in a tweet or something uh,
0: he of course is in Ink the uh, James Graham play that's around the West End at the moment who features a character playing uh your man Evans and uh, that's a very good play go and watch it a question for next week's guest next week's guest is probably it was possibly going to be this week but I (laughs) I said this last time but this time I really think it will be Neil Gray of the SNP you can set a silly question a political question whatever you feel like what question will we set for Neil Gray
2: I think his favourite political speech of all time
0: oh good one He's, he's quite the firebrand. He probably got some good mm. political speeches in his canon. Right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch to discuss anything in this podcast, I am uh, at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on the email. Uh, my website is james-miller.com. Uh, they're the best ways to get me. Thank you to Andrew, particularly, for stepping up. And Pleasure. thank you to John for uh, appearing again and uh yeah come back in it's a a uh, uk and a changing europe podcast week next week i come back in two weeks for a political yetis politics podcast thank you